beyond infinity. Well, first up today, we haven't heard from him for a couple of weeks here, at least on Peninsula Talks. Certainly was uh, very active yesterday on his big show, Beyond Infinity. Piers Cunningham, our regular COVID-19 reporter, our expert in the pandemic, joins us. Good morning, Piers. Good morning, Brendan. Good to have your company again, Piers. And uh, really, this pandemic, well, we're hearing that uh, things are settling down a little bit in the latest news bulletin out of Queensland. New South Wales still ravaged down here in Victoria. Not too bad at the moment. Yeah, donuts for Victoria today, I'm told. So that's that's good news. No new infections, but um, unfortunately, there is not such good news from New South Wales. A man in his 20s passed away after contracting COVID-19. He was unvaccinated. They've recorded 233 new cases today in yeah. New South Wales. Interesting that you mentioned that. I've been following some of the world press as well over the last couple of weeks while I've been away from the program, and there's some, you know, some really harrowing stories about younger people getting this uh, Delta strain and really very upset that they have not gone and got vaccinated. There was a very harrowing story. I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times in the last couple of days about this 35-year-old in Texas. A couple of young kids, wife, didn't go for the jab, wasn't against the vaccine, but just was a little bit hesitant, just a little bit slow off the mark. And boy, he came down, he came down bad. And now these little kids, of course, don't have a dad. Yeah, very, very sad. And that's the the difference between the Delta and earlier variants of COVID is that Delta is affecting younger people. So not only is it more two to three times more contagious, possibly up to 30% more deadly. The information is a little bit, uh, what varies a little bit on how actually more dangerous the Delta variant is from earlier variants. So we know it's more contagious uh, and it's also affecting younger people in a way that earlier variants didn't affect them. And and so that is a big issue. And interestingly, with the Doherty modelling that's been released recently and the Prime Minister's addressed the nation on that, a couple of interesting things I thought that came out of that. One is that it highlights that 20 to 40-year-old people is the group in Australia that's most important to vaccinate now because they're the ones who, well, they've got the vulnerability, which we just mentioned, but they're also the ones who are most active socially. They're most, you know, they're most prone to having parties and to doing all the sorts of things you do when you're a young person. Not that either of us can particularly remember those days, Brendan, or I can. But uh, No, I definitely um, can't. I'm a very old man now, Piers. And and the other thing that came out in that uh, modelling from Doherty was it actually supported the short, short, sharp lockdowns that Victoria, South Australia, Queensland and Western Australia have had as their approach to dealing with the pandemic. And and that does contrast with the approach that was taken by New South Wales, where you've got this this, um, far more accelerated uh, exponential growth happening, unfortunately. Indeed. A bit bit of political vindication there. I would say so, and there seem to be a few sort of little barrages being shot across the New South Wales-Victorian border as well, as our, our friends you know, get to task on that. Now, also interesting, just having a quick look at what is happening internationally as well, um, was speaking to Amy Campion earlier on today. She was saying that a couple of her mates in Europe are now travelling at liberty. They're moving from, you know, France into the Czech Republic and back and forward, everybody having a lovely summertime over in Europe. But also noticing that Wuhan, the 
origin, we believe, of the virus has now gone back into lockdown as well. Wuhan, of course, in central China, the capital of Hubei province, 11 million souls call it home. The epicentre of the pandemic about a year and a half, two years ago, now back into lockdown. So obviously the Chinese not immune from the Delta variant as well, Piers. Yeah, that's right. So it apparently started in Nanjing Airport and has has grown from there. There are single-digit new cases being reported in Beijing and Shanghai. And as you mentioned, there are, you know, I mean, they're literally testing entire cities, which, you know, pretty amazing things to do in very short time. I think it's it's pretty much mandatory and they literally just block a city like Wuhan and everyone, if you want to go anywhere, you've, you've got to be tested. Well, a central, so, and a centralised government like that's probably going to be able to move a lot more quickly and probably more efficiently than we in our sorts of uh, democratic societies. Yeah, indeed. And that was one of the reasons, or probably the reason, that China was able to get on top of this much faster than other countries did. And in fact, that lockdown method, which kind of shocked the world in early 2020, which we saw in China and those reports of you know, apartment doors being welded shut and sort of SWAT teams going around and, and you know, putting a, a, a laser on your forehead and if it, if it, if it came out with the wrong result, you were put in a van and taken away. Those sort of techniques, perhaps not quite in, in such a forceful way, were adopted. But the lockdown method was adopted pretty quickly. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's a medieval approach. It's what they did in the Black Death, basically, when the, when the rats were, were spreading the fleas, which were carrying... Uh, the uh, the disease then, 500 years ago in Europe, you know, you got a, an X put on your door. Now they just weld it shut. Well, it's interesting. So, you know, some would suggest that that was a wonderful model that Dan the Man used out of Spring Street, and it's uh, basically the Chinese model that he adapted uh, to our circumstances here. But, hey, let's move on from that. Um, the other interesting thing that I've just noticed, just having a quick look at some of the headlines today, the virus epicentre in Sydney, at least, and also I believe the numbers here in Melbourne also suggesting that those with the lowest vaccination rates are the suburbs and the areas with the highest presentation of the pandemic? Yeah, well, I think, again, that's just yet another uh, reinforcement of this message that we do need to get vaccinated to get out of this situation. And, and, you know, they're talking about vaccine passports. That's going to be controversial because there's going to be people who say, well, I I shouldn't be discriminated against if I choose for whatever reason. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not happy with the testing that's gone into these. I don't want to put this thing into my vein, which is relatively untested compared with, with other other vaccinations in the past, that those people are, are turning around and saying, well, why should I be discriminated against because I haven't had the jab? But there's a, another school of thought, which is, well, uh, you're protecting the community and, and all those other people who uh, have had the jab uh, deserve some benefit from doing that, from taking that risk, if you like. Indeed, it's your civic responsibility for your fellow brother and sister. So apparently there's a number of discussions happening in Australia at the moment about a QR code vaccine certificate. And yeah. I also noticed that out of uh, New York, the New York Times reporting this morning, that if you do not have proof of vaccination in the next little while, you will not be eating indoors and you will not be going to your local gym. So I reckon a certificate of some sort, whether electronic or a card or something that you carry is going to be uh, the way that you're going to get about in future months and years. Yeah, and it's just the, the government's um, had conversations already with Google and Apple about uh, that certificate going onto your phone in a secure and verifiable form. So if you're on an iPhone, it goes into your Apple wallet and you know some of the privacy considerations around that are being addressed and looked at, but 
Uh, that'll be the type of scenario that you're talking about. There are already countries, I believe, France and Britain are, are doing things like saying, well, if you want to go to that big football match, you're going to have to show a, a vaccination certificate, uh, most likely on your phone, because everyone's got them and, and you can encrypt the data and make it fairly secure but as we've on all, phones. But as we've also seen the French not terribly happy with that. They turned out in their thousands the other day and they were really taking it to Monsieur Macron. So it'll be very interesting to see how those <laughs> discussions right. about liberté continue in uh, La France. But, and, and in Australia, you know, I mean, I still come up, well, come up against it. I, I still have people who I who are friends who are who are not stupid people, but they are quite adamant that they're concerned about this. It's vaccine hesitancy as opposed to being an anti-vaxxer. I think there's a difference. And we have had mixed messaging, which has been well canvassed in Australia now, but it, it has had a, a toll on people's confidence. So I think there is, a, there is a difference and a distinction between vaccine hesitancy and being an anti-vaxxer. The vaccine hesitancy, I think, is more an issue of education and risk tolerance and understanding risk, I think, is an important thing that people need to get their heads around. And also the benefits for yourself down the track in terms of the freedoms that, that you and the society more broadly can enjoy if you do go down the track of getting vaccinated. And obviously supply, another issue which hasn't been ideal. We've got plenty of AstraZeneca, though, <laughs> that's for sure. It's, it's over a million doses being produced by CSL in Melbourne every week. Indeed. Piers, lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Most insightful. We appreciate you making time to talk to us and keeping up to speed, of course, all things COVID-19 and the pandemic. Hope we can do it at the same time next week. Thanks very much. That would be a pleasure, Brendan. Good on you. Thank you very much indeed. Piers Cunningham, who is our special COVID-19 reporter here at RPFM. Oh, my God.